Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I'm your host, Carly, and I'll be your guide on this journey from consciousness to cluelessness and back around again. Today on the podcast, I talk to Jen Rivera Bell. Jen, as summarized on her website, is an indigenous mama with a passion for parenthood, food, and sustainability. We get into so many good conversations about the intersections of her identity, advocating for low waste, being indigenous, being vegan, an activist, a mother. We dive into conversations about the human condition, the ego. She talks about how a pet pig led her to become vegan and so much more. I cannot wait for you to hear it. The podcast is called Consciously Clueless Mm -hmm. and I wanted to name it that to embody this idea that we're all constantly moving through I love like that. this idea of really being connected and knowing and then also just having no idea what's going on Absolutely. and we move through that constantly so I would love to know where you feel like you're at right now kind of on that spectrum so it depends on the day or on the topic mm-hmm. so once I dig into mm. something I, I'm the type of person who I'm so solely focused when I have this new idea or, or whatever, whatever comes up. Right. And so once I jump into it, I'm like, wow, I know nothing about this topic. Right. And then I start digging a little more and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm finally getting it. I'm finally understanding what's going on. And then the new wave of understanding comes in and I'm like, wow, I had no idea about this topic again. So it's like, (laughs) wait, I'll start getting, you know, my feet settled and kind of understanding what's going on. And then another wave comes in and I'm like, okay, that disrupts everything I've already known. And now it's time to Mm. unlearn and relearn again. So I think that that's how it is. It's just kind of in waves of you kind of get your feet settled. You kind of get in the headspace of like, I understand what's going on. And then again, like, oh, no, I had no idea what was going on. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love that. I've been thinking a lot about that lately and want to talk more about it, maybe on a solo episode or something, but just about like, how do you respond to finding out something you always thought was true was not true or wrong. And I think that's happening a lot right now, which is a good thing. It's a good thing that we're kind of waking up and and realizing that the ideas that we thought to be solid and absolutely like the truths are not, Mm -hmm. are not. And, and that's okay. It's okay to not have known that these things were wrong or that, you know, whatever the case may be. I think that um, a big issue with that is, when we stick our ego in front of everything, it's harder for us to be mm. like, wow, maybe I was looking at it the wrong way or wow, I had no idea, you know, but, but we have to let go of that ego first. Cause if not, we have to defend our ideas with, with our, our might, you know, but if not, then it's like, wow, maybe I just thought about it the wrong way or wow. I had never, you know, no one had ever phrased it that way. But if we keep our ego in the front, we can't do that and we can't move forward. Yes, absolutely. And I think specifically in Western society, we're so ego driven. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's hard to put that down and just say, oh, I just didn't have that information. And now I do. That's great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and see it as an exciting thing. Exactly. Um, I think the, the problem with that is, um, and we all do it. It's, I think a part of our human nature to hold ideas as part of our identity and so when they become part mm. of your identity, you have to defend them, whether wh- whatever it is, whether it's your religion, whether it's your values. And if those are values and, and religions and, and whatever 
cultures that you hold from the beginning that your parents passed along, you have to defend them. You feel like, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. I, I have to defend them because they're who I am. And that goes back to what we were just saying about the ego. You, you create these mm -hmm. ideas of who even you think you are, which they're constantly right. changing. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. And being able to be more fluid and release that. Mm -hmm. It's a practice. Oh, yeah. It's a daily struggle to realize that even the most core values, even the most um, epitome of who you think you are could not be. And that's, that's a struggle mm. in itself to figure out, and this, this can go really deep, but like, even who are you mm -hmm. as a person, you know, who are you, what makes you, you, if these things are constantly changing, if you're not the same person that right. you were yesterday, then how do you know you're right. even that same person? And learning to reframe that from being really scary to being really exciting Absolutely. is something I've been working on lately a mm -hmm. lot. Instead of being, it's easy to get in that trap of nothing I thought I knew is it's right. It's crumbling away. And, yeah. yeah. And what does that mean? Who am I? And instead, and this is easy, like easier said than done. Yeah. Right. And I'm not an expert, but just trying to bring myself back to, oh, wow, that's so exciting that I get to mm -hmm. learn. Like that's so what a privilege mm -hmm. it is that I got to learn about this new thing. Mm -hmm. For sure. But it's hard. Yeah, it's hard because it feels like, like um the basis of everything you've ever known is a lie. And that's that's something mm -hmm. that again with when jumping into every new subject matter, any new anything, um you feel the sense of relief of like, wow, I'm learning about this. And then you kind of grasp that topic. And then it's like the rug gets swept from under you. And you're like, wow, <laughs> none of this, none of this is what it seems to be. Mm -hmm. I've mentioned this before, but I think that if anything, you know, 2020 has brought a whole lot of lessons <laughs> to say the a least. a lot of awakening to say the least. That's like putting it mildly, but one thing I really keep coming back to is how I think I used to look at good days or bad days. I just used to make that time longer. Like, oh, it was a, you know, I'm, I had a good day or I had a good week or I had blah, blah, blah. And now it just feels like it's so moment to moment. And I'm really feeling that. And it probably always was. I was just ignoring yeah. that. And I think that but that's it what just, it is, is bringing that awareness to these yes. things too. A lot of us, uh, myself included, um, have been almost numb to everything for such a long time mm. and i think with everything that's being brought into the front end of everything it's like you have to be aware now you're forced to be aware now which is such mm -hmm. a good thing because there's so many people who were not aware of so many things that were going on it's like nope now you don't have a reason to say that these things aren't here everyone knows about them now and it's hard to maneuver and to navigate through these feelings and emotions because they're so mixed. Yes. Um, you know, sometimes we feel guilty. Sometimes we feel angry, upset, sad, joy for some situations. It's like, how, how do I feel joy about X when Y it's going on and I'm supposed to mm. feel angry? And that's really difficult too. Um, as a parent, I feel that constantly, especially uh, with my work, in the detention centers and trying to do um, everything to dismantle those systems, I feel guilty almost on a daily basis that I get to experience the joy of my children, the laughter of my children, the hugs and embrace of my children while there are other parents who don't get that. And I think that that's, mm -hmm. that's what drives me. Um, but 
it's it's a mixture of emotions. It's of course I, I love my children and I enjoy spending time with them. Right. But at the same time, just looking at them, sometimes I can feel angry with myself. Like what makes me more deserving than the other parents out mm. there? You know, and that's something that um, by bringing all this information to the front end, we're able to realize just how complex our world is and how right. we don't have to feel like you said, this is a good day. This is a bad day, but it's, it's almost like it's a day and we just gotta, yes, yes. We gotta, we gotta work with, with everything that that day brings, you know? Yes. Can you talk a little bit more about your work with detention centers? And so, um, it, it's super complicated also because of how, um, um, how everything is going on. And I'm sure that a lot of people out here now know that, um, like we shouldn't be putting protesters faces in posts because later on, um, the police officers are, are going in and finding these people, arresting these people, which is why we don't really talk too much about like the back work of what we do for those exact mm. reasons. Um, but, um, generally it's obviously bringing awareness to this topic. Um, bringing awareness of exactly what's going on and the parallels to what's already happened throughout history. These situations have happened countless of times, um, particularly with indigenous groups all throughout the Americas as mm -hmm. a whole, um, Canada included, uh, where children mm -hmm. are taken away from their parents um, and cultural genocide is what happens. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. flat, flat truth right there. And so, um, first thing is obviously bringing awareness to these situations um and then where where children are being taken yeah. away yeah okay and then uh slowly taking the smaller more um tactical steps on again dismantling those systems as a whole um uh, but i think that it's it being that i was i was raised in southern louisiana and i was one of the very few um people from el salvador that i knew all I knew was my family. Mm -hmm. And so um, my life experience was something that was very unique to me, as opposed to my cousins. A lot of my cousins grew up in Houston. And so there was so many people from El Salvador in Houston. And so they were able to speak to other people about their experiences, what was going on. Mm. And for me, whenever I explained to anyone you know, the fact that my parents led a civil war, they were like, wow, that is so, that I never heard of that. And so to me, a lot, right. a lot of it has just been like explaining my existence as a whole, as opposed to even mm. working on the next level of, of doing the next level of work. And so, um, like I said, just explaining like, Hey, yeah, this stuff is going on period. We're not even getting to the, how do right. we stop this from happening, but please hear me out. And this is what's going on. And so it's been a lot of internal work for me as a whole to um, kind of validate my experience and, and realize that these issues are, are outside of myself, outside of just my family, because I, I obviously have very personal ties to a lot of these things. Um, you know, I've had family members in the detention centers. I've had, you know, so many of my family members who have crossed and uh, crossed the colonial border and have had so many issues uh, due to that. And so now it's, it's taking it out. It's, wow, it's not just me. It's not just my family. This is a systemic issue. And then bringing that, mm -hmm. um, that information to people who might have not been aware of that as a whole. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's really beautiful, heart-wrenching work. It's really intense. And, and 
Um, I have grown. It's, it's, it's difficult a lot of the times because there's no on and off switch, you know, with this work. Right. Um, there's no, today's Sunday, so I have Sunday off. And no matter how off your emails are or if your phone's on silent, that's still working through your mind on a constant yep. basis. And so um, I, I always tell people who are doing this work that they have to have time for themselves. If not, mm-hmm. you, it's, it's a very easy burnout to, um, to give up, to feel like these systems are, are never going to change because it's been, you know, hundreds of years that they've been in place. And so it feels like all that weight is on you because since you don't want those systems to continue, it feels like if right. I don't do the most, if I don't mm. work, you know, 20 hour days, then, then what, you know, this people are still there and this goes for every system. You know, people are still, uh, in prisons, people are still in detention right. centers. And so it's, it, it sometimes feel like you're drowning, like you can't breathe because of the fact that I, I look at a lot of these issues from an intersectional perspective. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so let's talk about this topic, but you remember this ties to this and this also, and then this branch is off from here. So it feels like, okay, I got to take a step back. <laughs> I have to breathe. Let's deal with this first. And then, you know, we'll, we'll take it one step at a time, which is why I love working um, with different people throughout different realms of this. That way I feel like I kind of have tabs on everything that's going on as opposed to feeling like all of it mm. falls on me. Um, and so yes. it's, a, it's a balancing act, which is like almost funny to say, because it's like how people think you have a balance on life, but you never really do. That's, exa- that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Like, oh, you, you'll find a balance. It's like, no, that never really happens. You're just like kind of basically juggling things and hoping that something doesn't fall apart. And that's, that's essentially what it feels like. Well, and it sounds like, I think we all could do a better job of taking care of ourselves, but it definitely sounds like the type of work where you have to be so mindful about taking care of yourself or you might just drop everything that you're trying to juggle. Yes. I think it, it has a great parallel to parenting too. Because mm. you feel like you have, you know, 30 things on your to-do list. And if you don't tackle that first thing, then you're like, oh, I'm just going to quit. I'm I just, you know, <laughs> my brain's going to explode. And so it's uh, any, any work that you do, no matter how intensive it is, it's all about the little steps. You know, whether that's personal right, inner right. work or like a regular job, it's all about taking those mm. little steps to getting more efficient, to um, bettering yourself in whatever capacity that is without overwhelming yourself because right. um, I think that as a Western society, we deem individuality, perfectionism, and this ideal of the hard worker, which obviously like I, I, I deem myself as a very hard worker and I'm very like self-motivated, but it's encapsulating that into the only value that you bring. Mm. And, and mm. only, only valuing your humanity by the productivity that you're able to have. And I, I think that that's one of my biggest problems. It's, is, um, even with small things at home or with homeschooling or whatever it is that I'm doing, it's how much did I accomplish today? If not, I failed as, yes. a, parent, as a wife, as an activist, as a YouTuber, whatever it is. Um, if I didn't yes. do 30 things today and that's just not how it is. And I don't want my children to think that way of themselves like you are a whole mm. human worthy of love 
worthy of being by being, not necessarily with how much productivity you're able to to create on on any given day. Right. Right. Oh, that is such a strong message and good reminder as I'm like literally looking at my to-do list (laughs) above my computer (laughs) of everything related to business stuff and didn't cross something off yesterday. And I just was, it made me like frustrated this morning. So something I really loved about your social media is just how beautiful you share about all the intersections of your life. And that's something I really want to touch on with this podcast too, right? Is like all of the pieces of people that come into play. And so you talk about being an indigenous woman, you talk about being vegan, you talk about being low waste. And I just thought that that was so, there were so many interesting intersections um, and you do such a good job at talking about them all. Um, so I would love to kind of start diving into those and I'm curious, I guess we can start with being vegan, where that started for you. And so that's funny that you mentioned that first because that's what happened first. Um, oh. <laughs> so, um, this is like my favorite story. I tell it, I have to tell it at least once a week because it's my favorite story. Um, but so I've always been a huge animal lover. I think most kids mm. grow up just absolutely loving animals. Um, my grandma yes. has chickens and so... Uh, we used to go pick the eggs for the chickens. I used to love on them and everything. And uh, once, so Zach and I met pretty early on. Um, we started dating when I was 17. So it feels like, you know, forever ago. But soon <laughs> after that, we had this ridiculous idea of getting a pet pig. And we were both in college living in like studio apartments. <laughs> and somehow we still thought that was, it. that's how you know that teenagers brains are not fully developed y'all like (laughs) you can't you can't blame me for these things but uh we thought that it would be a really good idea to get a mini pig to live in my studio apartment my second story studio apartment granted wow and so for christmas he gave me like a little written note like here's two hundred dollars for our pet pig and i was like yay so to start off it was it was bad on like eight different levels, but we also purchased her from a breeder, which is obviously a no-go and we would never do that now, but we were all excited and we didn't know about anything. And so we get Mowgli and she's this tiny little, like two and a half pound pig. She was the most adorable thing I had ever seen in my life. And I put her in my truck and she starts crying. Like from the moment I put her down, she's just crying and screaming. And I'm just like hysterically crying in the truck with her. Like, I'm going to be a bad mom. I don't know what to do, you know, whatever. And we get to my apartment and I have to like call her up because she doesn't want to walk up the steps and she's squeaking and like yelling. And it's very obvious that there is a pig in the apartment complex where we're not even supposed to have dogs. And so there are so many, so many breaches on the lease. I can't even count anymore. But um, that day we sat down in my filthy apartment now because Mowgli destroyed everything. And we kind of talked Mm, about mm -hmm. how it's going to be kind of weird to eat pigs when we have a pet pig. And Zach was like, wow, I didn't even think about that. You're totally right. And coming from a Salvadorian background and Zach is Cajun, so Southern Louisiana background, the, the main animal that is eaten in both of those cultures are pigs. And so we were like, wow, this, we kind of should have thought of that, about this beforehand. Yeah, we didn't, like, think, we didn't this think this through. through. And so we were like, we can't eat pork anymore like we can no longer eat pigs 
And so we were like, okay. And so from that day, the day that she came home, we no longer ate pigs. And we realized just how much that goes into everything that we were eating. And so mm. in Louisiana, we eat a lot of boudin, we eat a lot of cracklins, and El Salvador, chicharrones, and pupusas revueltas, like all of those are pork-related foods. And so we were like, wow, we just cut off like 90% of the stuff that we were eating. And then we started doing a little research, you know, just kind of like looking up YouTube videos of like, what to eat when you don't eat pork? And we kind of went down this tunnel of like, people who don't eat animals altogether. And right. I was the most opposite of a vegan growing up. Um, I had this shirt from this, I, I don't even know if there's still a thing, but it was this uh, YouTube channel that would just put piles of meat on top of other meat and eat it. That was like the whole thing. And I had one of their shirts. I bought merch. Okay. I was very serious. And wow. it was like bacon strips and bacon strips and bacon strips. And that was like, that was my personhood. I was like, haha, right. vegans are silly, you know, whatever. And then, you know, mm -hmm. here I am now. But, um, we went into this tunnel of like, wow, there's people who don't eat eggs. And that was another thing that was huge for me and people who don't drink milk. And we started watching um, documentaries like Earthlings and, and you know, oh, all, of, all of these really intense uh, things that as someone who had such a love for animals, such um, a desire to cause us harm, and I think that's just innate in every one of us, we just don't know how to go about it exactly. Um, and yeah, after about a year, it took a, a years long process to get to being vegan after we stopped eating pork. And I think it's very funny from both of our perspectives, both me and Zach's, just because again, I loved cooking with my mom. We'd make fajita, we'd make, you know, lobster bisque, mm. just like all super animal heavy foods. And then Zach was a hunter. And so there's pictures of him in a hunting magazine as a kid, like generations of hunting, you know, like with his gun and he's like seven years old. Yes. And so it's very part of both his culture and my culture. And to kind of like say no to that at first was difficult, not only because it was what we were used to, but also because like I mentioned before, it was part of who we were. And saying Absolutely. no to that is not only saying no to an activity or something that you ate but kind of telling the people who are doing those things, like, I don't want to do those things. I'm side-eyeing you. I'm kind of judging you for doing those things, even though that's not what we intended to do. And it, even to this day, that's not what I intend to do. But a lot of the times that is what people assume that that is what we're yes. doing. And so once, once we were vegan for quite a while, um, we realized, um, I don't know how I got down the, the rabbit hole, but it got to sustainability. And I was like, to, to us, we, we kind of joke around about it all the time is as soon as we start settling in on something, we dive into something else. And then we're, mm -hmm. baby, we're babies again. And we're like, okay, so we were vegan. Yep. We were vegan for a while. Um, we had no problems eating out anymore. We knew how to talk to waiters. You know, like we were pro, pro vegans at that point. Right. And then right. it's like, wait, straws? Like cutlery? <laughs> like, what do you mean? And so we watched tons of documentaries of, I think it's called, um, it was something plastic oriented, but like the name plastic is in the documentary itself. And that okay. was just mind blowing to me. Um, obviously, like all of us, we know that this trash is created. We know that this is going on, but not to the extent. We think like maybe, maybe it's just mm -hmm. this much when in reality, it's like literally 7,000 times more than what we could ever understand. And so we dove deep in there and started uh, really getting serious about using less plastic to the best of our ability, uh, which again, right. looks extremely different for everyone. 
Um, and then when we moved here uh, to Missouri, it was a different level because being that we live in the middle of nowhere, we have to drive an hour and a half to get to the city. And so we don't make those trips mm -hmm. as often. We just go to the local grocery store where stuff is more readily in plastic as opposed to the bulk stores. We try to go there, you know, every month or so, but it's a huge drive and a, hu a huge investment right. in, in getting there. But um, once, once all of these pieces sort of start getting together, you realize the extent of there is no single issue. There is, that, that yes. doesn't exist. There is no issue that you can solve with one, one thing. And yes, I think a lot of the times these single solution ideas harm people in, in, in doing so because you're silencing so many different people by doing those things. It is a whole mentality. And I think that um, not only as someone who does this work, but as an individual, we don't like that. I don't want it to be this difficult. I don't want it to be 37 solutions for this one problem. Just give me one. Just yep. tell me I don't have to use straws and then the world will be better. And then I'll feel like a great yes. person when it's, that's not the reality. Um, and I think that mm -hmm. it hit me really hard after being vegan for so long and then realizing, wow, um, you know, I'm doing, I'm not eating animal flesh. I'm not eating animal byproducts, but I'm still harming the animal's environment by doing this. Uh, and then it was right after Luna was born. Luna's going to be four in November, but that's when I started, um, really going into my history, really figuring out who I am because I was really excited about being able to tell her like, Oh, you know, you're, you're Cajun and you're mm. from El Salvador and you know, these are your people. And being that Zach is white, he has a very clear cut history with birth certificates and everything of everyone that ever existed. Basically for right, us, we don't right. have that. And so I really had to start digging and talking to mi abuelita. And I'm super fortunate that I still have mi abuelita and I still have my great aunts who are able to teach me so much. Oh, wow. But um, that's when I really started learning um, and unlearning so much about our history and about colonialism and the genocide that has happened. To me, that was a northern indigenous thing. That didn't happen to us. That was just you know, right. That was, you know, those people, not us. And then realizing, you know, that languages had been taken and culture had been taken, religion, you know, traditional practices had been taken away and had been hidden. And so much of what we do has been a resilience of people who hid those things and taught their, taught their children and to continue on those incredible legacies in silence. And so many of the words that we still use are now what words that that people like bled into it. So many of, you know, Catholicism culture around uh, what is considered Latin America is actually traditional indigenous religion that has been blended in so that they continue those practices. And so again, right. all of that blended together, um, environmental racism that happens um, due to all of these corporations. And so I was like, wow, it's never a one issue thing. And I think that when being vegan, I made an entire video of like, hey, everybody should be vegan. If y'all aren't vegan, what are y'all doing? And I, I have very proudly taken that video down, but it's just funny because that's, that's, <laughs> that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I was yeah. like, what are y'all yeah. doing? Um, I don't understand why is, this is so easy. No, it's not. It is the furthest thing from easy. There's so many people that I grew up with. I grew up in an extremely impoverished city that has so much the worst food access in in the state of louisiana 
And for me to like, I lived that. And then I still had the audacity to right. say it. So that, that's, that's what it takes to drop your ego. Like, hey, mm. I know you're passionate about this. And, and this happens a lot when you're like first getting into something, you're just angry. You want everybody yes. to change. Everybody stop using Oh, I songs. did the same thing. Exactly. I was so judgmental mm-hmm. of people in my life. And I just, I like want to just bow my head down when I think about yeah. it. And, and it's, it's not that simple. If it was that simple, then solutions would overcast and problems would be solved, but it's not that easy. Um, you know, I, I tell this to people all the time. I like talking to what I call young vegans, like people who are just getting into veganism mm-hmm. um, about the intersectionality of food justice um, because I yelled it. I yelled it. I made a video about it. Everyone needs to go vegan. I don't understand why y'all aren't vegan. If you want that, you got to fight for food justice. You got to be just as loud about food justice because if you want these things to happen, you have to realize where the problems are stemming from. Um, In Western society, we like band-aids. We like these Mm. easy solutions when we're never looking at the the systems don't get disrupted. Absolutely. It's easy. And, and with activism a lot too, it's, it's easy to like those people. It's not easy to like someone who's saying, no, 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 no. The system is intentionally like this. It's easy to like someone who says, everybody use reusable straws. Everybody switch your milks out. You know, it's easy to like those people because they're not fighting at, at your core. They're not trying to make you witness yourself and they're not trying to make you look at your privilege. They're not trying to dismantle mm-hmm. the systems that be. And so it's easy to like those people. Um, it's a lot harder right. to like someone that's saying, hey, you have benefited from this system of oppression. What are you going to do about it? And it's hard to sit with that. It's hard to sit because you feel a lot of different emotions um, with, with being like, wow, um, I thought that this was the solution when really this is like nothing compared to what we really need to be doing. And obviously we all need to be bringing our straws. We all need to be doing these things. Right. We all need to be trying right. to right. eat less animal products. And I'm a huge advocate of those little steps because a lot of people don't have the privilege to do it all in a snap. They don't have the privilege to do it all or at Or it's once. their entry point. Exactly. Right. Because that's like what it was for the us. Thing that, exactly. And um, that, that has a lot to do with um, with going in both directions, but being so judgmental of people um, and judging where they're at when you don't know how they even got there or how far they've really come. You know, when, when I first started, I would have never imagined that I would ever not be eating animals, that I would ever be talking about the issues that I'm talking about. And so there's so much work that I need to do, so much... Um, mm-hmm that I need to work on within myself, but I am incredibly proud of how far I've come with how I was raised in the environment that Mm -hmm. I was in and the society that we live in. You know, we have to give ourselves credit. um, And I think that we use that to push ourselves forward. Like, wow, look how far I've come. I can't even imagine what we're going to be 10 years from now. You know, it's, it's a push forward. It's not, Oh, I'm so great. I'm done. It's I'm, doing so awesome. I can't wait to see how much better I can get. And that's such a motivating thing instead of being like, okay, nailed that Mm -hmm. because then you kind of become complacent. And I know that 
I will fully admit that when I first started diving into these things, I too just like I dive in and I do the research and I'm excited and then I scream it from the rooftops. And I was just doing that in a way that I thought was helpful, but I've definitely learned more mm-hmm. that it could be an easier conversation. And I think I judged a lot of people in my life, like, like you said, like, catch mm-hmm. up. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Why are you not here with me? Like, this is easy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's easy for me, but there's so many more factors and there's so many more layers than my privilege was allowing me to see. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. And I think that it's all about growing awareness to that. It's coming to terms with the fact that you will never know everything. Period. Mm. That's hard because you want to. That's so hard. We, we in, in our society, we see this ladder and we see the end of the ladder, but that doesn't exist. Mm. You're always climbing forever and ever and ever. And you're coming back down a bunch of steps along the way and then going back up. And then coming back down. And Not going just back and down. clueless. Exactly. Absolutely. That's why I love it. I love it because that's exactly what it is. Um, the more we know, the more we know we don't know. You know, that's, that's a, um, it's scary to some people, but it's also very empowering if you think about it. We want to know mm-hmm. that we don't know everything. We want to embody that essence of, um, and that's something that I really try to explain on my platforms is, I'm not the person that knows everything, y'all. I'm learning with y'all. Um, y'all can ask me stuff. And yes, I may know a little bit more in certain things. And I'm going to know nothing about other things. And that's why I right. really emphasize the importance of community. Because we all bring these different values. We all have these different life experiences of, uh, of little pockets of knowledge that we can share in community. So that way we can all grow together. If not, um, mm-hmm. we're hoarding these little pockets of knowledge. And these other people will never know just because we don't have the life experience to have, to have these, these different intersectionalities of, uh, of spreading that, you know, that's what we need is for more people, whatever, whatever aspect they have to spread that knowledge. Something that I definitely related to is when you said that your husband grew up hunting Mm -hmm. And I'm in Northern Minnesota. I grew up hunting and fishing, and that was a big part of connecting to people Mm -hmm. and also just something you did. And I know that as I kind of started to pull away from that, it was hard to explain to some of those people. And like, it's exactly what you said. You start to um, get that feeling that people in your life are being judged by you, whether intentionally or not. Mm -hmm. So how was that? for your husband growing up in that? Cause I know it's been a difficult conversation to have with people in my life who are just kind of confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that's, that's the first uh, emotion that people feel is just that confusion. It's like to them, it's something that they can't wrap their heads around. Like, why would you ever want to not do this? Why would you ever mm-hmm. want to give up something that you grew up doing? And so um, it's been, a lot of years since the beginning of this and now everyone kind of fully understands you know our reasoning behind it and everything like that and it really um got I think more concrete once we had kids because this was something that we had to like kind of sit down and have a conversation with but you know when we have kids we don't want our kids doing these things but Mm. being that we're somewhat we're, we're the type of people that 
I'm always like trying to find the solution. I, I always feel like there is something that I can do. And so, um, you know, Zach's, uh, Zach's dad is an avid hunter. Um, that's just like mm-hmm. something he really enjoys doing. And so uh, we knew that that was something that he would obviously want to do with his grandkids. And so what we did was, hey, how about y'all go hiking in the same woods that you would and y'all go spot deer. And so y'all go in the same way that you would go to do what you regularly do, but obviously don't bring the gun. You can bring binoculars. Right. And it's like, wow, well, look, look to the left, here's a deer. And so you hurry up and do that. So you're still mm. embodying that, those same ideals without having to do the harm that we see, you know? And again, this is super right. different for everyone. Um, the same goes for like fishing. You know, like you still go Mm -hmm. on the boat, you go on the boat for hours, you sit in silence just the same way you would when you're fishing, but you don't have to do that one particular thing. And um, Mm -hmm. that's something that we have really like blossomed as my family in particular when it comes to cooking. That was the center point of our family. That's all we did was you you cook and you eat and that's that's what you do together. Yeah. And so it's actually been an incredible experience because not only are like my mom and my sister and my brother vegan but also have several cousins who are vegan now um and so when we get together we eat all vegan and Mm -hmm. we have learned to recook our foods we've learned how to make pupusas and sandwiches and everything so when we get together we're like okay do you you know do you know how to do this yet oh you got to get this kind of faux meat you get this and you mix it up with this and it comes out perfect you know so it's been um at first it was very um dividing because like I said people Mm. are like either you're judging me or I'm judging you or are we both judging each other and now it's like whoa like we're about to get together and we're about to make some bomb food and it's going to be a great time um and knowing now that it does not come from judgment it does not come from I think I'm better than you um because that's not the case at all and Mm -hmm. I made an entire video talking about that um because that was the type of person I was I thought I'm vegan. I'm clearly a better person because I'm causing less harm mm-hmm. and I'm doing this. That's mm-hmm. not the case at all. Um, I go into detail talking it's about It's just that. ego in another direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we want to feel like we're better than other people. We want to feel like we know more than other people when the reality, the sad reality is that we don't. We don't. And it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to like swallow that and like live with that because I'm like, I read so many books. <laughs> I watch so many documentaries. How do I not know everything? It's like, I'm sorry. Sorry, honey. That's not how it works. Like lifelong process yes. of learning and unlearning. And there's things that while we're learning stuff, we're learning bad things. And so you mm. have to like take steps back. Um, and that happened a lot with veganism for me in particular. A lot of the activists that I was following were extremely problematic. Were ex- extremely Mm. racist and sexist and I had no idea because I only saw them from the mindset of veganism I only saw them from the mindset of they're they're speaking up to the animals while at the same time they were downing other cultures they were downing women they were you know all of these other aspects that they were doing and I think that 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 stems a lot at least for me in particular it stems from this like celebrity culture of this person has this many followers, they clearly know what they're doing. This person has oh, X many yes. subscribers, they obviously know everything that they're talking about. It's like, that's a regular ass person. I'm sorry. That is a regular person yes. that has regular mistakes, has absolute faults in their personhood. You can't uphold them to a higher pedestal than everybody else. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. there are people who are saying great things. Um, there are people who are informing others. 
but they, they still have faults and we can't, we can't think that one person has the solution for it all. And which is why we need to be diversifying who we're listening to, who we're watching in order to really understand all of these different perspectives. Yes. I don't know what the, um, cultural traditions of El Salvador are in terms of like hunting and fishing. Um, but I know that indigenous folk in the U S and Canada, like that was their livelihood. Mm -hmm. And that is something that still is because of, um, privilege or lack thereof is something that people survive on. So I think that's a hard conversation for me to reconcile. And I've had to take a few steps back few steps back and not tell people that don't have access to that kind of food or that it's real, it's, you know, I'm white and I don't want to tell someone who's hanging on to threads of their culture to let go of another part, but it's then also hard when I want to talk about the environment or the animals or whatever it is. So do you have any thoughts on how to like reconcile those things because I think that that is something I struggle with and not wanting to act like a white savior mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but also be like but this is really important and I don't I'm not sure about how to do that yet and so for my culture in particular um uh hunting wasn't as much in the forefront they they hunt very small game and in some other so uh lizards and and smaller things like that and fish was a predominant thing but it was actually mostly mm -hmm. plant-based so that was super cool for me to learn as i was diving into that because <laughs> i was like wow like we invented corn y'all like i was i was so hyped i was like the most excited person ever when i started diving into that but well and it was actually western society that really upped the meat intake yeah. because of farming and everything so a lot of indigenous cultures and, i've learned really were more plant-based because that's just like the seasons absolutely and and so mm. for my take on that um and this is again just my own personal ideal there's there are plenty of other like northern indigenous people uh who come from cultures who are predominantly hunter cultures who have more knowledge on that than me but for me it's i'm not gonna tell indigenous people to not hunt like i'm all about right you know animal rights but I, I i literally cannot come to even uttering the words because of exactly like mm. you said hanging to these you know threads of culture that they have resiliently been able to keep and 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 i just i can't and again also being that they were some of the most incredible stewards for this planet and being able yes. to um sustain you know huge huge amounts of people on on the land on the forest and they were able to work it in such a way that they were like the pinnacle of sustainability right and so as as a modern day person who could just walk into the grocery store and get a bunch of apples and carrots um i i can't i can't bring myself to say anything um a mm -hmm. because i feel like i'm not knowledgeable enough and also because of how much northern indigenous people were stripped away literally taken off of their lands literally starved to death by not being able to hunt that now me saying mm -hmm. that would just be like i just feel like i can't i can't come to terms with being like hey maybe y'all shouldn't do that just because of right. the history and the weight that is there um i think that that's mm -hmm. something in particular that is really messed up because there are a lot of people who are not indigenous are not 
people who are living below the poverty line are not people who don't have access, but just people who do have all of these things. And they use those people as an excuse to continue the harm that they're doing. And so they're like, oh, but what, you know, what about indigenous people? It's like, yeah, how about you yes. let indigenous people be and you do the work that you can do? And they're like, but what about poor people? Absolutely. That's why we're doing food justice. That's why we're doing this. How about you do your part? You know, I can only do so much. There's a lot of things that I cannot do. I would love to live, you know, completely off the grid and all these things, but there are things that I realistically can't do right now. But there are other people who can. Yes. There are other people who could do a lot more than I can do. And so if we take it on that level of each individual person doing what we can, that's how we move forward. We, we have to dismantle the systems and we have to take accountability. We can do both of those things at the same time. I think that we like to see it as an either or. Either we shut down corporations and, and destroy those systems or we just stop using our own individual plastic. No, y'all, we got to do both. It's a lot of work. We yes. got to do both at the same time. I could not agree with you more. I think that the excuse piece mm -hmm. is so frustrating from the people that have access and it's more about the ego, right? <laughs> Coming back to that, that for their own work getting in the way of like, well, why am I worried about a straw when people in other countries have so much trash and they don't even think about this as if it's like a wash, as yep. if it's just like, well, it's not all perfect yet. So, so why, why should, should I, I even try? try? And I think that, um, that, that is one of the, the first steps to break through when coming into any sort of movement, because I get it. I get it. This is it's huge. You know, you see these documentaries of animals or you see these documentaries of the planet or you see these documentaries about anything and you're like, wow, I am one person. How could I possibly do anything to help this situation? And the way I see it is a, your individual actions do matter. They do build up over time. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, you might've only eaten one chicken a week in, in together, but that's a mm -hmm. lot of chickens in your whole life or, or mm -hmm. one straw or one cup. But also when you speak up about these things, when you live through examples, people see those things. You know, whenever it was just me and Zach, it was just me and Zach. And now we have so many friends, so many family members who I don't, I don't want to take credit. You, you did your own thing by yourself. You made those actions happen, but we were able to help these people get in whatever direction it is that they're in now. Right. And so, yeah, right. we were just one vegan and then we were two vegans. And then we were, you know, 10 people who don't use straws anymore. We're 10 people who always bring Tupperware containers to places. And so it's yes. those little steps of, of changing the culture around it. You have to change your mentality around it. It's a whole lifestyle change to be someone who's doing any sort of positive thing in the world, whether that's environmental justice or human rights issues. It's, it's all about those little steps that are going to shift drastically how it is that we view the world and how the world inevitably works. Well, and I think in, in talking about the little steps, it's my intro to veganism was health. And that was where I started. But similarly to you, which I'm finding a lot of people feel this way, it was like veganism was like the way into mm -hmm. all the other mm -hmm. systematic mm -hmm. issues, which I think is so fascinating yeah. and cool. Because um, it also, then I started learning about agriculture and then I learned about the environment and then I learned about sustainability. And then recently I've been learning about like fast fashion no, I'm drowning. and all of that. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but the small steps. So like coming back to talking about like indigenous folks, like 
we just have to talk about food systems and health, you know, and like, like you said, food justice and food insecurity, when you talk about it from a systematic issue, just even just from a health standpoint and food deserts and access to fresh fruit and vegetables, like if you frame it like that, that's a different conversation. So the topic of food justice, I think comes uh, a lot heavier, especially to someone who's coming from a vegan perspective, because then you can't just tell people what to do. You can't mm. just tell people, here's the grocery list, go do it. Um, then you're like, wow. Um, so I guess not everyone can do what I was doing. And it's just spotlighting that privilege that we have. You know, I have always had food security my entire life, even growing up um, in poverty. That was something that we always had. That was something that I never had to worry about where my next meal came from. And so that's something that, like I said, comes with a lot of guilt sometimes when you start mm -hmm. to think about it like, wow, I'm over here yelling about, you know, eating more plants when there's people who cannot eat more plants. They cannot. I, I had so many friends growing up that the only place that they bought groceries were, was at the local liquor store and they didn't have mm. much to say the least. And so um, by expanding that view, we're able to see issues from their core as opposed to just like everybody needs to go vegan or everybody needs to stop doing this. Um, you got to stretch it out and realize where the roots of these problems are while at the same time, while at the same time, still um, doing those individual actions that do, do end up building up and do bring a positive change. And I think it's, it's the challenge, like you said earlier, of like that funny word of balance, right? So it's like, I love using my platform to talk about making oat milk and bringing your straw, but I also know that I need to challenge myself to talk about more of the other side. Mm -hmm. You know, like it doesn't have to be one or yeah, the other. Yeah, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can, it can be like, don't forget your reusable container, also food justice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I think the more that we normalize that idea of we're not perfect, of we're learning mm. of, Hey, yeah, I was yelling this stuff. I was definitely wrong. Sorry about that. Y'all here. Let's, let's take this step forward. Um, and not, not, um, holding people to this unrealistic pinnacle of knowing everything, you know, even, yeah. even your most amazing woke, um, you know, on the streets, justice fighter also might be ableist also might mm. be homophobic you know all of these things you have to take yeah. into consideration that uh that people are not perfect and that does not excuse their actions or or their thoughts but we have to realize that so that we don't idolize people that's something that we all struggle with i think also it just emphasizes it more with social media whenever you see these yes. perfectly curated little squares and you are just like wow this person just knows what they're talking about it's like they mm -hmm. don't <laughs> Thank yes. God. And normalizing that, like talking about being wrong, mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. is something that needs to happen, especially right now with everything that's going yeah. on. But like you said, I think that's just such a beautiful example. Like, yeah, I said that at one time. That's the information I had. That's what I believed. I was wrong. I know. I know more now. <laughs> And that worldview expanded. And I want to share that that worldview expanded. Mm -hmm also gives other people permission to be like, oh, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And, and here are the so steps that important. we can take to do better. Uh, and everything, every conversation I've ever had with anyone always boils down to that ego, 
that ego of saying like, mm. no, 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 but, but I was right. But, but I know this. And it's like, it's okay that you didn't. And that's, that's hard even for people to hear from a non-judgmental way. Cause then they think you're judging me for not being able to let go of these ideas. And so it's that vicious cycle of like, no, like release that, you know, get out of your own way to be able to pursue that growth that you really want, because we all want that. We all want to do better. Mm -hmm. It's just hard when we think we've been doing good, when we think we, mm -hmm. we, we thought we were doing such great things for someone to say, like, actually, you know, like some of this stuff is really problematic and you might want to like look into this and you're just like, wow, I thought I was doing so well. <laughs> I thought I had a, an A plus when in reality that was, that wasn't the case, you know? Get out of your own way. That is such a good message. I bring this up all the time, but when I was in my yogurt, yo <laughs> yogurt, <laughs> my, I'm hungry, <laughs> yoga teacher training, uh -huh. one of the things we talked about was all the paths to suffering mm -hmm. in the tradition of yoga. And the most well-worn path or the easiest path that we often go down is bringing ourself to suffering. So like there's all these other things that can cause you suffering, but that one hit me so hard. And I just realized how often I was bringing myself to suffering. And the word suffering, I think feels dramatic for some yeah. people, but just like bringing ourselves um, more frustration, more discontent, whatever that word is. But oh, wow, I'm just, I'm bringing myself there. I'm my own ego or my own hangups or whatever it is. Like, it's actually not all these other things. It's myself that I'm bringing myself down there. And to release that or to work on releasing that, it's not mm -hmm. like a switch, um, is I think a part of the internal work in wanting to make the world a better place too. Um, I think that a lot of us also forget um, that, most of the work that we have to do is internal and that work is not pretty mm. that work is not fun that work is not instagrammable that is tears mm. and, mm. and ickiness and struggling and realizing that a lot of the things that you thought were right were not a lot of your childhood might not have been what you perceived it to be and just working with that and again it's it's something that's not fun and we can glamorize it as much as we want, but it's, it's not, it's nothing close to being glamorous. And because of working, you know, working to dismantle our biases, working to dismantle these mm. systems that we held, e even, even with biases that go against us, you know, as someone who identifies as a woman, we, we have struggles within ourselves of what we think we're capable of because of what someone told us, yes. because of the society that we were in. And realizing like, yeah, I can do this. Or like, as, a, as an indigenous mm -hmm. woman, I can do this. Like, what am I, why, why am I giving myself these limitations? Because of what other people have thought about me. And so those, that inner work is so important and is sometimes forgotten because it's not easy. It's not, it, it's not that it's mm -hmm. forgotten, but it's kind of like, like pushed to the side because it's like, wow, but this is so much cuter. This is such a, like, I could just buy this shirt that's so much more sustainable and I'll feel really good about myself. But it's like, no, like, why? Why am I even needing that shirt? You know, like all of these extra things. Yes. Um, and, and that internal work, again, is so important. And especially with uh, Instagram and YouTube, 
we like to tell people things that they can do that are easy, that they feel like they can do so that they can have that good rush of like, I'm doing this and then, you know, start off. But having someone sit down and be like, hey, you're racist. Try to figure that shit out on yourself. And so it's like, wow, that's not what I want to hear. I don't want to hear that. Like, you know, and so, but that's what we have to do. We have to sit down with ourselves right. and realize, you know, like, hey, what kind of privilege do I have? What, what kind of thing, what kind of harm have I caused to people because mm. of that? Mm. And yeah, it's not fun, um, but we all got to do it. And I think something I've been learning you know, again, 2020, what yeah. the hell? <laughs> that's, that, that's <laughs> um, honestly, but it's just that I can't do that work alone. You know, some of that internal work is things you need to work on, but I think I have really prided myself on being a strong, mm-hmm. independent woman. And so anyone who offered help, I pushed away Um, And the more I did that, the harder it got, right? And so realizing, like looking at my own mental health in the last few months, the easier it got was because I was reaching out to people and I was letting people know like, oh, I'm doing this work or I I got vulnerable with people I hadn't gotten vulnerable with or I told people like, yeah, I'm struggling with depression or this or that. And then it got easier. And then that internal work got a little bit lighter. Not that I didn't have to do it to almost release is like what happens. And I think that um, Mm -hmm. the issue with that or the root of that, should I say, is our idea of this individualistic culture that we have. You do you, you handle yourself, you cause these things, you ask for it. That comes a lot with parenting and motherhood of, you know, moms can't complain. Mm. Moms can't um, say I'm having a hard day. You ask for it. What are you, what are you talking about? You ask for it when reality Mm. living within community, living with people that you can, you can lean on every once in a while. That's, that's how we're supposed to live, right? That's how we're supposed to like, Hey, I'm having a bad day. I'm like not there mentally. Can you come over? Uh, or Hey, I need to go walk. Can you watch my kids? I just need to go walk for 15 minutes of living, living in community, living while leaning on one another, living in that mutual way of benefiting one another, um, as opposed to you asked for it, you need to deal with it. Oh, you, you're struggling at your job. Why'd you work there? Or you're struggling with this career path. You asked for it. Now you have to deal with it instead of how can I help you? How can, how can you lean on Mm. me? What can I do to offer some kind of help to you in this moment? And I'm super lucky that I've been able to create a community, not only online, but, but now here, even though we're in the middle of nowhere, I still managed to find a couple of people that are so critical in my life. And for example, I went over to um, my friend's house and she was having a very rough day. She has three little ones and anybody can realize that like you gonna have rough days when you have three little ones. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I was like, hey, how about I take all the kids outside and you just sit on the couch and you don't do anything. You just sit on the couch and do nothing. And she was like, cause she had never experienced that before. She had never been helped or aided mm. in that way before. And she was like, what? Like, what do you mean? I was like, yeah, I'm just going to take the kids outside. They're probably going to, you know, beat each other up. It'll be fine. They'll, they'll be okay. But you just sit and do whatever it is that you need for yourself right now. 
And she cried. She cried. She was like, I have never, I've never yeah. experienced this before. I was like, this is what we need to do for each other all the time. And so then, you know, yesterday she came over and she was like, you need 10 minutes. You go inside. And so I was like, you're right. I was, I was like, yeah, I'll go inside. And so I went inside. I was able to get a little bit of work done without the kids running around. And if we were right. all able, you know, in, in this, this futuristic mentality, I love thinking about the possibility of what can be. And I think it's really important for us to keep that spirit up because if not, we're just going to be depressed as hell about how the situations are. Honestly. But realizing that, you know, if we all lean on one another, like, hey, I'm struggling today. Did you cook supper? And it's like, yeah, I have just enough to spare. Here, take this meal. You don't have to cook today. Of being able to, to live in that, in that way, to help each other out, to boost each other in whatever, even small way that we can. You were saying that by leaning on people, it breaks that idea that we need individualism and that individualistic, like. Um, and, and it comes a lot from glorifying individualism and being like, you know, I got this degree. I did it by myself. I got this mm. promotion. I did it by myself to able, to, you're able to get all the credit as opposed to being like, I leaned on these many people. I was able to reach my goal. It, it takes the glory of it as, as far as we see it. You're not taking the glory. Yeah. You're, you're amplifying a bunch of people that were able to get you to the destination that you were trying to get. And again, right. that goes back to the ego of wanting to have all of that for yourself as opposed to being able to credit other people. And I think I know I've done this and I know people in my life who have done this, who are doing this right now. It's easier sometimes to push away the people that want to help us. And it's easier to push away the people that are like, I see you you can like, let's figure it out because that is giving us this invitation to let go of that. And that's scary. We almost like enjoy the suffering. We almost enjoy mm. it um, so that we can create this self-pity for ourselves. I was in the exact same situation whenever I first had Luna. Um, we followed a lot of traditional paths when it came to my pregnancy. And then post-labor, post-baby, my mom was like, I'm living with you and I'm washing your clothes and I'm cooking for you. And in my mind, I was like, but then I don't get to get the credit of doing all this myself. And she was like, mm. you're being silly. That's not <laughs> the word she used. But you're being silly. I'm going to help you. You're going to need the help. And then as that time came by, I was like, wow. I'm sure glad that my mom told me that she was going to help me regardless because it would have been ridiculous. And I think it's that, it's that idea of like, but, but then I can't, then I can't complain about me not being able to do it, you know, whatever. And that's something that I'm working a lot on is accepting people's help. Um, mm -hmm. Because yes. you're admitting to some degree that you weren't able to do it by yourself. You're admitting that, maybe it was a lot more difficult than I thought it was. And so admitting that it's just like, you, you feel this big, you know, you feel tiny because you're like, I thought I could handle it, but I couldn't, but that's not, that's yes. not a bad thing. It's wow. Look how incredible it is that I have all of these people that I can lean on. And it's reframing that mentality of, of what it means uh, to live in community as opposed to from that individualistic perspective, <laughs> another, another tractor. <laughs> So speaking of your beautiful children, how is it 
raising a family and keeping these ideals of being vegan and being low waste? Like, what is that like? Um, it's actually a lot easier than I thought it would be. Um, because again, how everything is interconnected, minimalism is at the core of everything else. And so when you don't need as much, you're not, you know, creating as much waste and stuff like that. And so, um, my kids eat what we eat. I think that that's a big right. shift in our more modern American idea of like kids food versus kids menu. adult food. And it's like, my kids eat food food, you know? And so, right. you know, we don't, we don't really buy any of the particular kids stuff. My kids eat whatever it is okay. that we're eating. And so that, you know, cuts off a lot of waste. And then also uh, we're super fortunate that um, because of the community that we've created around each other, uh, we get tons of stuff uh, secondhand. Like at the, at nice. the second that someone else is done using this, it's like, wow, I only wore this twice, but now it fits Luna. Cool. And then, you know, right. Luna's no longer using this. Do you want it? And so we were able to kind of network that stuff around. And then um, I really like supporting um, local makers and stuff like that, which inherently is going to be a lot um, m like less waste than buying it from, you know, some corporate uh, entity. But I think a lot of it is just simplifying. Uh, we overcomplicate mm. so much as a people. Um, as parents, we do that 10 times. Uh, we want to think that things are much more complicated when really kids just want to be around you, kids want to be cooking <laughs> with you, um, and so they don't really need as much as we think they need. You know, like you, you see these lists of like baby, baby list of what baby needs for 2020. It's like, wow. I don't have any of that. And my kids are some of the happiest kids I've ever seen, like in my life. Um, and so just simplifying everything, um, this goes not only for parents, but for everyone just honing down on like what our values truly are. And I think that for a lot right. of people, um, this pandemic has done that. Um, like, mm. so I can't go to the mall and spend all this money, but I guess I really didn't need half the stuff that I was buying anyways. Like I really enjoy uh, FaceTiming with my friends. Like maybe Maybe I should do that more often. Maybe I should just like go hang out with my friends more often or we can go to the park. It's like a back to basics. Absolutely. Um, you know, unfortunately for a lot of people, it has uh, struck in them with a lot more despair, obviously, and um, with food insecurity. But for a lot of people, I think that they were able to kind of click like, wow, um, I was being over, overly... I don't even know what the word would be because it, it has to encompass so much like such a fast pace that they weren't mm -hmm. realizing who they were or what they even wanted. You're just going along with the mm. flow of what people expect of you of like, okay, you're 30. This is what you need to be doing. It's like, if I'm not doing this as a 30 year old, then I'm obviously failing. I'm, I'm living not to my fullest potential. It's like, no, if you don't like to do those things, then don't do it. And that's a lot easier said than done. I was that type of person in my twenties. I thought like, okay, I'm in my 20s. I need to be getting my hair done and my nails done. And, you know, all my friends have like all of these things. So I obviously need these things too when I really didn't enjoy it. So it's like, I just yes. spent thousands of dollars on things that didn't bring me any value that I could have spent somewhere else. Um, and I think that we, we try to over, like we try to put everyone in an umbrella. You're a parent. Mm. This is all of the things you have to be doing. You have to be buying. You have to be you know, consuming. And if you're not, you might be a bad parent. Here, you're a dog mm. parent. Here goes your umbrella. And so all of these things that maybe for you, 
don't bring you any value, don't bring you any joy, <laughs> like the book. But uh, it's like you really can just dis- disregard these things because if, if right. they aren't critical to your life, then we just need to reframe that and be like, okay, what it is? What is it that I really do like to do? A lot of people don't know what it is that they really like to do because they've never been given the opportunity to be themselves. And no one's ever asked them that. Mm-hmm. What do you really like to do? What do you want out of this blip on the radar yes. of life? Oh, that's so beautiful. I feel like I could talk about this stuff. Yeah, forever. no, same, same. <laughs> um, but I am curious. So given all of the work you do, given being a parent, given like wanting to change the world, what do you do to slow down and become conscious and kind of like become present? And has that evolved over so- time? I think that before having kids, I was never present, to be honest. Mm. I never knew what it was like to be monotasking. Um, It was always like, let me do all of these things. And it's funny to think that I thought I was busy before having kids. (laughs) And then now that I have kids, I actually have more time than I ever did before. Um, I Seeing my kids play is just the most single task that I can have seeing them like jump off the couch seeing them you know like Luna loves playing pretend and just seeing herself being so present because children are the most present beings ever yes there is no little teachers and so seeing them be them is probably the most present I can ever be and my husband and I have been able to hone in on that because he we, we have very very similar personalities and we're very up and go. We're very, okay, what it is that we have to do, but with them, we have to stop because they're like, Oh, but we're doing this right now. So we're like, okay, I guess this is what we're doing right now. And so right, right now they're just on a walk. Him and both of the kids are on a walk. And so he has to be present. You know, you have to be just with them because like you said, they're little teachers. I've learned so much from mm-hmm. my kids. I've learned more from my kids than I will ever be able to teach them. Um, in particular about being present, in particular about finding joy in the little things. Luna will see a flower and you swear to God, she found a million dollars on the ground. And you're like, oh my God, it's a tiny purple flower. And I'm just like, it just like hurts my soul of how excited she could be. Or she finds a frog, you know, all of these simple things that we as adults are told like, we can't care about those things anymore. But Luna has been able to teach me to be excited about these little things. You know, like, if I show you a frog, if I show anyone a frog, you know, everybody's gonna be like, okay, <laughs> you're kind of weirded me out. Cool. Yeah, all right. But Luna says it with the most enthusiasm, and she's so excited. And so I'm able to, to learn from them to just slow it down and, and be present in that moment, because <laughs> I'm gonna get dark here. But like, Every single moment is fleeting and you won't get those back, especially with children in a blink of an eye. Luna's like a toddler. I remember like it was yesterday. She was just a little baby. And so their clips happen so fast that you're like, whoa, I have to slow down. If not, I'm not going to remember these like critical moments. Yes. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. I wish you could meet them. I wish you could meet them. They're great. (laughs) I'm not being biased oh, they at sound, all. <laughs> they sound amazing. Um, is there anything you want to say or you want people to know about you that I haven't asked you yet? Um, let's see. I think that the, the biggest emphasis that I always like to leave people on is that I'm not perfect. 
And I don't Mm. want anyone to ever think like, wow, this person has it all figured out. They have parenting figured out or veganism or active, nothing. I don't know anything, y'all. I'm learning just like everyone else. And we all need to just take a step back and, and learn from one another, but not idolize people learn that it's okay to find so much value in people and so much value in your friends and family and even people online, but not hold them to any pedestal that you wouldn't hold yourself. We have to all Mm. find that within ourselves to, to lift ourselves up and obviously lift other people up, but not think of them as perfect because no one is perfect Mm -hmm. in any, in any sense of the world. And, and I think that's that, that seeking perfection, we do ourselves a disservice of not trying to do better because we can't be perfect. Then what's the point? And that's, yeah, that's something that we need to disregard as a whole is I'm not perfect, but I'm trying really hard to do better period. And that's all I'm trying to do is to spread my little bit of knowledge that I have to folks who might not know about these certain things. Um, I'm learning every day. I'm unlearning every day. And I'm just excited to be able to share my little corner of the world to those people who might not have known about these issues. Well, I'm so excited to have learned all the things you've taught me today and keep connecting because that was such a beautiful conversation. I feel like I could talk to you forever. (laughs) Um, Where can people connect with you? So everything is at Jen Rivera Bell. Um, I do have an Instagram and a YouTube, and that's where I'm most uh, active on. I also have a blog where I neglect sometimes, but I'm trying to get more at it. But yeah, I am always excited to uh, talk with people, whether through there or also just an email uh, at jenriveravelle at gmail.com. And I'm always excited because I know that we're all on these different paths and being that I'm such an advocate for just starting the process. I love helping people just get started in whatever capacity that I can. That's beautiful. Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I know you enjoyed that episode as much as I did because it was packed full of so much goodness. There's a lot there. Super thankful that Jen joined me on the show. If you're enjoying this, please subscribe wherever you're listening and help this podcast grow. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts, share with a friend, whatever it is, get it into the hands of someone else. Thanks so much for your support. And remember, from what Jen mentioned, you are a whole being worthy of love. See you in the next episode.